0: Thank you for listening to this talk produced by the Art Gallery of South Australia. Hello everyone. Thanks for coming. Um, My name is Leanne Santoro and I'm the Curator of Decorative Arts and Design here at the Gallery. I'd just like to begin by acknowledging that we're meeting on Kaurna land and pay my respects to the Kaurna people, the traditional owners of this land, and pay my respects to elders past, present and future. Um, As I said, my name is Leanne Santoro and I am the Curator of Decorative Arts and Design, currently filling in for Rebecca Evans, who some of you may know, uh, who is on maternity leave. So I've been here for almost six months and it was my great pleasure and privilege to be tasked with transforming this gallery, which hasn't changed significantly for for many years Uh, you may remember the wallpaper which we discovered was put up in 1994 so it's been a while Um, and in case you're missing it there's a a original example in the uh, display cabinet here so (laughs) the willow bow wallpaper Um, so I really wanted to make this room look very different to how it was because it had been quite a long time And so what I wanted to do was introduce um, a very bright pink colour, which you see around you, which I felt would um, work really well with our embroidery and the colours and the designs of, of the Morris works. And I wanted to introduce some wallpapers as well. And so we have three in this room and I've sort of restricted them to the little nook areas. So behind me here we have honeysuckle and tulip. On this little nook here, we have marigold, and around the other side, we have a canthus And then, of course, we have three examples of original Morris wallpaper in the cabinet. And on the centre plinth, we actually have the Morrison Co. wallpaper sample book, um, which was originally owned by Robert Barr Smith, uh, and he's signed his name on the, f- on the first page of the book. And that shows you the different uh, wallpaper designs in all the different colorways that you could order. And We obviously only have one page showing at the moment but we have photographed several pages out of that book and you will be able to flick through them on an iPad which is going to be in this space uh, hopefully next week and you'll also be able to flick through uh, the Kelmscott Press book which is also on the back wall with photographs and pages out of that uh, and various other Morris & Co catalogues which we have in the collection. So, unfortunately, we didn't quite get it in in time, but it should be uh, here in the space from about next week. Um, and you'll be able to also flick through and, and see uh, some of our other Morris works which aren't on display at the moment. So, you probably all know more about Morris & Co than I do because it's such a, a prominent um, part of the collection here in Adelaide's history. Um, the Smith family is, is a, probably well known to you all. And over on the wall here, we have a photo from circa 1890 of the drawing room of their home, Torrens Park at Mitcham, which is now Scotch College, some of you may know. And I think that's a wonderful photograph to show you just how much Morris and Co. they had in their home. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> And this is just one of their homes. And the Barsmith family and their children, over a period of about 45 years, furnished uh, seven or so houses in Adelaide, almost entirely with Morrison Co furnishings. And we owe much of our collection to the Barsmith family. A lot of those items have made their way into this collection, uh, either through gifts or purchases over the years, um, primarily in the 1990s, by Christopher Menz, who many of you know was formerly the curator of decorative arts and also formerly the director here of the gallery. Um, much of the Morrison Co collection was acquired in the 90s and has continued. Um, our first purchase was the large tapestry on the wall behind. Um, so it's a very special collection here in Adelaide. It's the largest in Australia. It's the largest outside of the UK, indeed. The bar smiths, we think, were the largest Uh, Morrison co-client at the time, international client outside of the UK. Um, So we're very lucky to have this really significant collection here Here in Adelaide. (laughs) Um, Behind me, you'll see I've set up a sort of quasi-sitting room display. Um, So we have a carpet. I don't know if you've come over and had a look yet, but we have a carpet. We have an armchair. We have a table with a table cover. We have this chair curtains curtain ties fireplace it's sort of a much simpler version of what you see over here uh, without that kind of intense layering of, of items um, but I thought this would be kind of the perfect corner to to have a sort of sitting room arrangement um, as you can see we have our built-in display cabinet here with many uh, items we have an Uh, sort of little setups in the the two nooks. And then I wanted to primarily use our um, pink uh, walls to display the embroideries. We have fantastic examples of embroidery. Uh, We have, as you can see, some works on paper. Um, So behind us we have some drawings by Byrne Jones. We have this fantastic uh, work, The Loving Cup, by Rossetti. And around the other side we have some prints by Aubrey Beardsley. So to give you a bit of background about Morris and & Co and William Morris and how it all came to be, um, Morris himself uh, grew up in a fairly wealthy family. He studied classics at university and then he uh, became interested in architecture and began to study architecture. And then he was introduced to medieval art and promptly abandoned architecture and took up painting. And his coterie included uh, people like Edward Byrne-Jones and um, Dante Gabriel Rossetti, who are, many of you know, known as the Pre-Raphaelite Brotherhood, a sort of group of poets and painters and artists who were influenced by uh, 1400s painting. Um, they... Uh, along with Morris, were big fans of of Ruskin, the art critic and theorist and socialist. And it all sort of came to a head in the mid-19th century, uh, post-industrial revolution, when they began to look at the state of art and craft and design in England and they were very dissatisfied with what they were seeing. They thought that uh, the introduction of factory-made goods had led to um, poor design, poor manufacturing, they really uh, rebelled against the working conditions in factories. As we know, there were some terrible uh, conditions, especially with child labour in the Victorian area. And so they began to imagine a world where design and craftsmanship and a return to the handmade and a look at sort of medieval art as an influence and this kind of pre-industrial uh, time. And they wanted to sort of return to this. And this is how they forged what became known as the Arts and Crafts Movement. And they were very concerned with uh, the decorative arts, with elevating the decorative arts as opposed to the fine arts. So they were involved with furniture, with ceramics, with wallpaper, with textiles, furnishings, stained glass, um, tapestry. These were the things that interested them. And they really uh, basically revolutionised this area in Victorian England and it, of course, spread out. So Morris & Co. itself was around for about 80 years, from 1861 to 1940. Uh, And Morris himself uh, lived until the end of the 1900s. So that sort of places it um, within a time frame for you. Um, The firm was established by Morris uh, and some of his pre-Raphaelite friends. Um, Byrne Jones, as I mentioned, did the drawings on the wall behind us. He designed uh, many of the tapestries for the firm, including the large tapestry we have on display. Um, His daughter, May Morris, uh, joined the firm and took over the embroidery department uh, when she was just 23 years old and uh, was a very talented uh, artist and embroiderer in her own right, though in the past she's sort of been a little bit forgotten. William Morris's reputation is so massive that he sort of overtook all, but... Um, I think it's, it's important to sort of reassess and remember that there are other people working within the firm, uh, May Morris being one of them. Um, so May Morris designed, for the most part, uh, many of the embroideries you see over on the wall over here. Um, as I said, she ran the em- embroidery department um, and as part of their production, they produced embroidery kits uh, which were sold to clients all around the world. And the kit uh, included the design, uh, marked out, and often a small area uh, stitched to show you which stitching and which colours to use. And then the embroidery itself was completed by the client. So many of the embroideries here in our collection and on display were actually uh, embroidered here in Adelaide. So there's a really um, important and interesting connection between London and Adelaide. Um, and, of course, the, the completing it yourself was sort of part of this pride, of, of t- taking pride in the handmade and actually making the work yourself and being that sort of designer creator, artist creator that, uh, that the arts and crafts movement championed. Um, so many of the embroideries were uh, used for fire screens. We have some fire screens on display, um, cushion covers, um, hangings. So the two large uh, hangings that you see are actually portiers, uh, which were hung over doorways. Uh, port being the French word for door. Uh, but the portier was hung in a sort of doorless doorway. <laughs> um, so they were used for various things. We have a hanging as well in the centre, uh, which would have just been a, sort of a decorative hanging. Um. <laughs> Kind of thought. Um, so we have, uh, as I said, we have the embroideries on display, we have some works on paper, and both of these things are light sensitive, as you, as you would know. So uh, these things will probably be on display for a few months, and then they will get taken down for a little rest, and we'll be able to bring out new things. So um, my hope is that you'll be able to come back perhaps every six months and see some new things on display in this room. Uh, so, the tapestry I know is um a favorite of many people, so please enjoy it for about the next four months. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was uh, recently on display in Canberra, uh, I think many of you know uh, in the pre Raphaelite exhibition at the National Gallery of Australia last year so it 's um sort of reached reaching a point where it will now need to have a little rest um, for a while, so enjoy it while you can um. So we also have, um, obviously, it's not all Morris and it's not all uh, arts and crafts in this room. We have some sort of related and some sort of complementary works. Um, We have some ceramics here on the end by William de Morgan. Uh, William de Morgan was part of Morris's sort of coterie. They were lifelong friends. Uh, He actually designed uh, tiles, stained glass windows for Morris and Co., uh, we don't have any of the tiles on display at the moment, but we have some of his ceramics that he produced under William de Morgan Co. Um, we have some uh, James Sons glassware over here and over here as well. Um, just to talk you through this um, little display, we have a carpet which was um, designed by J.H. Dirl, who was the chief designer of Morrison Co. He actually worked there his whole life. He began as a teenager in the Morris Co shop as an assistant. Uh, he studied under Morris. Uh, he designed uh, fabrics, wallpaper, uh, various things and after the death of Morris and Byrne-Jones took over as sort of art director of the company so he had his whole career with Morris Co. Um, this carpet was formerly in a bar residence. This chair was designed by Holman Hunt who was one of the pre-Raphaelite Painters who also designed as well for the company. Um, So I've sort of tried to give you a bit of an overview of what was happening at that sort of time. Um, Obviously, the Tiffany windows we have here, uh, the Louis Tiffany stained glass windows, are not Morris, Um, but he was working in a similar way in America at around the same time. Uh, the gallery does actually own two Morris Co stained glass windows um, they're called Federation and they're in the old uh, stock exchange building in exchange place uh, where they sort of remain in situ from when they were first installed and you can actually go and visit those they are open to the public um, what I will do is I will show you this little piano we have here which is usually kept closed for safety reasons, um, but I'm going to open it up for you so you can have a look inside. Can I just get that? Okay, Thanks. Wow. Wow. So this is the Manxman Piano, designed by McKay-Hugh Bailey-Scott. ...and manufactured by John Broadwood & Sons. Um, And don't worry, I'll keep it open so you can come and have a look after the talk. Uh, And this is, um, as you can see, when opened... ...the doors actually act as sounding boards. We have handmade metal candle holders on either side. This is where the music would sit. And this was really designed to... I guess disguise the piano and have it look like a functional piece of furniture in the home and this was a a kind of arts and crafts innovation and you can see the sort of simple design on the outside has a kind of medieval influence Um, so it's a bit difficult to actually have this open on display but I thought that I would show you today Um, and it's called the Manxman piano because Scott lived on the Isle of Man hence Manxman so it's sort of not really related to arts and crafts at all. (laughs) But that's what it's called. Um, The Rossetti work, as I said, Uh, we have this gorgeous curtain, golden bow, which is this beautiful sort of golden, peachy, yellowy, pink colours um, against the marigold wallpaper. Around the other side we have the Sussex uh, settee and corner chair, um, the Sussex Ranger Furniture was one of the most uh, popular and successful lines that Morris and Co did. They produced it for a very long time, from about 1865 right through to 1940. Um, do you all want to return to your seats? or I'm, just, I'm not really sure where to stand now. To get the screen from character. I did not. I wanted to show off our own collection first. <laughs> but perhaps we can we can bring that in later. Lord knows where it is. <laughs> <laughs> um so just watch those doors of the piano. Um Um, So I was just asked if I had considered borrowing the large screen from Carrick Hill that many of you probably know, and I did consider it, but because this is a a rehang of our collection and a refresh, I really wanted to, for the most part, celebrate our collection. Um, So I've borrowed only, I think, one or two things, one of which is the fire screen sitting on the end over here with that crazy metal frame. It's amazing i've never seen anything like it we don't know who designed the frame so if anyone does know please let me know um but for the most part this is really a celebration of of the collection we have here which is such a a big incredible collection um it's almost 200 items um i believe um and as i said uh, i'm hoping to have some photographs of the items that are not on display on the ipad that you'll be able to come in and flick through um next week Look, I think I've probably covered most of what I wanted to cover. Um, does anyone have any questions? Yes. <laughs> yes, okay. Yes, so you may have seen uh, over in the, there's a little built-in shelf uh, on the center wall here of the, the two nooks, and they are two contemporary works by Glenn Barkley, who is a, a curator and a ceramic artist. And they are two uh, William Morris-inspired pots. One is a salt cellar, and the other one has a title along the lines of William Morris' mermaid hairball face or something like that. Um, So you'll have to read the label. I can't remember the exact wording. And they're… kind of wacky and kind of great and they take uh, Morris's face as their starting point and it's a very cranky face um I think he did look kind of permanently cranky we have an engraving here um or maybe it's just the beard I'm not sure um but yes please go and have a look at those they are my sort of little contemporary nod um and they're in their own sort of little spot um so please go and have a look at those afterwards um yes Glenn Barkley recent acquisitions uh, and also the large uh, portiere on the end here is also a recent acquisition it came to us just a few months ago uh, through the descendants of the Barsmith family well, I just wanted to say it looks fantastic oh, thank in you. the last week uh, people have been telling me that they, they feel the same way and, and, but one thing I just wanted to comment on was um, how brilliant it is and to have labels right next to the artwork. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's gone out of fashion a little bit, but, but here everything's clearly labelled. Good. Easy to read. So it's very informative and educational. Thank for you. The to the Great. Yes. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I want it to be a, a big transformation, and I think we've succeeded. It's um, it's very different to how it was. Thank you. Yes, I think it really makes those works pop off the wall. Yes. Oh, yeah, the wallpapers are produced by Morrison Co. in London. Um, they're obviously new uh, reproduction wallpapers, um, but you can buy them. Um, We actually ordered ours through a supplier in Sydney, um, Annandale Wallpapers. You can go on their website. You can search for William Morris. You can look at all the different designs. Um, And I tried to choose things that were... So we do have um, marigold wallpaper in our collection in a similar colour. We have obviously just a small sample, framed sample, similarly to what we have here. Uh, We also have a canthus in the collection, just a very small... Um, piece so I wanted to choose things that have a link to the collection um, but that would I thought look good in the room Um, a campus I chose specifically because I knew I wanted to put the Sussex range in front of it and I thought that that would work really well together Um, and I just like the fact we have a very simple well simple for Morris. A simpler kind of monochrome one here and then we have this much more intense uh, one over here as a bit of a contrast to show the different uh, design. Um, Obviously he's really well known for his sort of intricately designed uh, repeating pattern wallpaper. Um, This obviously being a bigger pattern would have been used in a bigger room similarly to the uh, the, the wallpaper in the photograph, which is a St. James pattern, uh, whereas the marigold here is obviously a little bit more subtle. Um, I didn't actually talk about the Kelmscott Press book, which is mounted on the wall, so I should probably just mention um, a little bit about that. Um, so Morris founded Kelmscott Press, uh, I think, in about 1891, 1890-ish, and he kind of devoted the last five years of his life uh, pretty much to working with Kelmscott Press. And Morris, though he's so well known as a designer now, in his lifetime he was really very well known as a writer, a poet, a translator, um, a socialist. He did a lot, of, uh, a, a lot of writing and publishing and he was really well known for this. And he really thought that books should be as beautiful to look at as the, as the story within them. And he um, began to design different typefaces. He designed the very elaborate borders that you see around the pages. Um, And he spent about the last five years of his life working um, really intensely with that press. Um, And they made uh, – they published sort of small runs on this handmade paper. Um, Very beautiful objects. We just have the one book in our collection. Um, But I think the State Library has many other um, books um, but this is our one in our collection and so we've just put it over on the wall there um, and we're going to uh, turn the pages in a few months' time um, as part of that sort of conservation process, but also so that you can see um, some of the other pages. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so we do have some other um, works in the older wing. so go up and have a look. Um, we have a fantastic large um, cabinet currently in, I can never remember the room numbers. I think it's room four with the Hans and Nora Heysen display uh, and it's currently filled with some beautiful blue um, Gladys Renal ceramics and it looks fantastic up there. And we have some sort of Adelaide arts and crafts work up there as well. So obviously the arts and crafts movement filtered out it didn't just remain in Britain. Um, it was it was felt uh, quite acutely here in Adelaide in particular, um, and so there's a great display uh, up with the um, Hans and Nora Heysen works of um, hand carved wooden furniture, um, sort of leather bellows, um, some fantastic embroidery. Um, so, various pieces. Uh, so, and that display was inspired by the interior of the cedars uh, as the Hysons were actually big fans of arts and crafts themselves and that was how they decorated their home. So, yes, go and have a look at that as well. Any other questions? Yes. The two you try and yeah, I mean, I had it on my list but I just couldn't squeeze it in. Um, So he may come back when the uh, the tapestry needs to go away maybe. Um, So I think I mentioned that I'm here filling in for Rebecca Evans. I'm actually here until mid-January and then I'm heading back to my old job in Sydney. Um, So Rebecca will be looking after this gallery into the future um, and so I'm sure she'll come back with lots of ideas about uh, what to put in here. So um, I think if you come back in about six months, it will look a little bit different. Okay, thank you.